You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. So here's what Lacrosse has recently done. They've taken their 100 plus years of experience to create a new line of lace-up hunting boots called the Navigator Series. Now the Navigator Series comes in two options, the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. Now if you want to find out more about their high-quality awesome boots you need to go to lacrossefootwear.com welcome to the huntivore podcast episode 29 cast iron cooking i sit down with steve brewer of at cast iron steve where he shows off a nice collection of cast iron cooking vessels We talk about some basics of cast iron care, bringing a relic back to life, and how cast iron is still the best in 2019. If you like what we're doing, please leave us a rating and review. Helps us in the long run. Now, on to the show. Hey, good evening, folks. Welcome to another episode here. Beautiful day outside on this uh, Tuesday evening. I am... uh, digitally sitting across from Steve. Uh, Steve from Utah. Is that correct, Steve? Yeah, I'm from Utah. Man, wild. Big skies, big mountains. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm looking at some beautiful mountains right now outside my window. So being in Utah, uh, Steve, what was your last name too, Steve? I forgot to to ask that. Um, My last name's Brewer. Brewer. So Steve Brewer, what's your mild-mannered job out there in Utah? So I work for my dad. My dad owns a business. We sell parts for classic cars, 1955 through 1957 Chevys. So we have an online business. We sell stuff on eBay, Amazon, and then we have our own website that we sell stuff on. And we stay really busy with it. We sell about 2,000 parts. Keeps us busy. We restore a few cars of our own. Um, me and my dad are working on restoring a 57 Chevy right now. So, you know, and I get all, all my work done during the day, I get to go work on the car. So that's kind of a highlight of the day, you know, there you get go. work done. And then I get to go play with the cars, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that era of car, you know, it's, it's amazing how you can fix everything and like parts are parts still readily available or is it getting tougher and tougher to find those? Well, um, yeah, I mean, with what me and my dad are doing with the car that we're doing, we're we're restoring it back to 100% original. But um, all the parts that we sell are all ma- remanufactured parts. 
So um, almost everything that was like any part that was made originally for these cars, you can get brand new again. There's about a hundred different companies that, you know, remake these car parts and we make about 200 of them that we sell to different companies. So it's pretty easy to find stuff just because everybody, they're such a popular car and so many different companies are, you know, remaking parts for them. Well, good deal. Um, but yeah, on your spare time, when you're not messing around with cars, being a grease monkey, you're over there being cast iron chef. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, I like to think of myself as that. Um, what's your, uh, how did you get into cast iron? That's, uh, with all the mediums that are out there, uh, for cooking, you know, you got your Teflon, your aluminum, your stainless steel. Why did you just settle on, I mean, I'm just going to blow up on cast iron. Well, you know, Western movies have always been like my favorite movies to watch when I was a little kid and they still are. So, you know, I always saw all those old Western movies and, you know, they're sitting around the fire, you know, using their skillets and Dutch ovens and everything. And I, it just looked fun, you know, and I was like, that looks cool. And then when I, when I was 12 years old, I went to my first scout camp and I remember seeing my scout leaders using um, Dutch ovens and skillets and I just thought it looked cool, you know, and I just, I remember watching uh, one of my scout leaders, his name was Scott, and I remember seeing him um, conditioning a skillet, or I mean a Dutch oven, after we were done cooking with it, and I was just intrigued. I was like, what is he doing? Like, why is he rubbing oil all over a freshly cleaned Dutch oven? It, I mean, it didn't make sense to me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, after that, you know, I, I was 12 then, and when I was probably about, like, 15 or 16 that's when I bought my first Dutch oven and started you know kind of tinkering around with it but I didn't really know what I was doing back then what now is scouting how you got out into the outdoors are you doing any hunting and fishing at all yeah I do a lot of fishing I love fishing and uh so I do a lot of fishing I tie my own flies and I do that. I, I have gone hunting quite a bit, a lot of deer and elk hunting. I've never shot anything, but I, ha I have gone quite, I have gone hunting quite a few times. So gotcha. hopefully I'm not, I'm not going this year. I don't have the money to, you know, butcher an animal this year, but you know, hopefully next year I can go out and get an elk. Yeah. You're always hoping for, for something to just walk on by. So we'll yeah, keep no, that yeah, up. Last year, last year I had a, I had a spike elk tag and saw nothing but cows the whole hunt. It was annoying. Oh, that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. No, yeah, I know. I've got a, I got a buddy, and his uh, his motto is, you know, see one, or, you know, saw a few, got one. But you can even whittle that down to saw none, just went hiking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um. But yeah, you got into big into the the cast iron cooking um, through bringing up through scouts. Uh, that became a focus of yours. Uh, what makes cast iron such a great medium for cooking? You know, you mentioned you were intrigued by it, but what makes it such a special thing to be cooking on? You know, nothing heat um, keeps heat more like uh, cast iron does. It holds heat really good, and you can use it for anything. 
you know, you can, you know, take a skillet, for example, you know, for breakfast, you can cook bacon and eggs in it. And then for lunch, you know, throw on a quesadilla and then for dinner, you can deep fry something in it or, and then dessert, you can go throw some brownies in it. I mean, like it's, it's one pan that you can use for everything. You can't do that with, you know, some of the other stuff. You got to use a whole bunch of stuff. But, I mean, it's like, a, you know, one pan for everything kind of thing. You know, there's nothing you can't do with them. Yeah. Um, you know, here it is, 2019, and it seems like the push is, you know, you see all, all these advertisements, the latest and greatest new uh, product. And it just fills your kitchen with these one job units or one job tools. And it's like, man, if I had something that could do five jobs, you know, my kitchen would be less cluttered or my, you know, my camp kitchen would be that much lighter just because I would have less stuff that I would have to lug yeah. along. And that cast iron, like you, just like you said, you can do so much with it. You can fry in it, you can bake in it. And that's great. And it's funny to think like here, this is stuff that we used back, you know, at the early stages of our country being made, you know, they were still pressing out cast iron and two, 2019, we're still using it. Yeah, exactly. We're still using that same stuff that they made back then. And then, I mean, you can even, you know, look at Lodge. Lodge has been around, you know, for over a hundred years. People are still buying Lodge and, you know, if anything, they're probably more popular now than they were, you know, a hundred years ago. I mean, you look at my wife likes watching a lot of the, you know, the cooking shows on the food network and I watch them with her. You look on all those big competition things. Most of the people, you know, they're using a lodge skillet. I mean, they, people use that, that cast iron, you know, even professional chefs. I mean, if they're using it, you know, why can't we use it to, you know, make food just as good as them? Yeah, exactly. Um, tell me what kind of, like, just going through your feed earlier um, and checking him out, and we'll put that in the show notes too, where to find you. Um, you've got a collection of cast iron that's just extensive. Um <laughs> As you, you know, how are you finding these pieces? Are they like garage sale finds or are you strictly retail wanting to get brand new stuff? Um, what, what's your collection composed of? Um, all my stuff besides one thing is all new stuff. Um, I have a lot of camp chef stuff, a lot of skillets and Dutch ovens that are made by camp chef. And, you know, I, that, that's what I started out with. I started out with getting, you know, the Camp Chef Dutch ovens and skillets. And just recently I started getting some of the lodge stuff. And my wife has got me some lodge stuff for my birthday and for Christmas. And um, one of my followers on, on Instagram, he reached out to me because I posted a picture of, you know, those uh, – those corn stick pans that look like corn on the cob that you cook uh, cornbread in. Yeah. I, I mentioned on there that I wanted one of those and, you know, I was going to, I was going to buy one of those and he, he reached out to me and he said, Hey, I've got the, this old Griswold corn stick pan. It's, you know, probably 50, 70 years old, something like that. And he'd had it sitting in a Y um, tank and gotten all the rust and junk off of it. And it was, almost all the way ready you know to be conditioned and everything and he asked if I just wanted it he said that he didn't want it so he sent it out to me that was just about a month 
probably about a month ago and that's been that's my only like vintage piece of cast iron is that one and i finished cleaning it up and conditioning it and putting seasoning on it and like it was a lot of fun so that was my first you know my first piece and you know it won't be my last you know vintage piece yeah, there's a whole market out there of people just, you know, they scour and they want to know dates. They want to know, you know, when was this pressed? And they do it by the little markings, little uh, trademarks that are on the bottom and stuff. They can find yeah. roughly how old it is. Um, when you got that Griswold, what was your, like, you, you had to take it to a spot. Like, how did you have to clean it? Like, he, you mentioned he had it in a tank that was just soaking, trying to get the rust off. What was your process for, you know, you're getting an old piece of... Uh, basically, basically raw cast steel or cast iron, you need to now make it able to cook food. What's the process yeah. for bringing that back to life? So when I first got it and I was first looking at it, I was like, that, that, you know, this looks great. I don't even know if I even need to clean it up anymore. But then I, I washed it with just some soap and water. And then after I did that, I all like in all the little kernel pieces there was a lot of like built up you know calcium and you know built up junk in there that I didn't notice at first and I was like this is gonna take forever there's like a million of these little cob things in there you know little kernels in the cobs and I didn't know how I was gonna do it and I was scrubbing at it and kind of you know trying to get it out and I ended up taking it to work with me and I know a lot of people you know say you should never do this but I figured, you know, I got the pan for free and, you know, I could try it out. And if it didn't work, you know, I wasn't out any money, you know, just kind of experimenting. Right. Just a last I, dish effort. Yeah. Yeah. I put it in, um, in a sandblaster and a lot of people say you should never, you know, put vintage stuff in there. And, and I figured if I just took it down really low, I had it on like 10 or 15 PSI and just very, very lightly just, you know, ran that, the, sprayed the, you know, the little glass pellets on there, and it cleaned it up just fine, and I told some people that I did that, and they said, you're not going to get that conditioning to stick, you've ruined that pan, (laughs) and, you know, I took it home that night, and I, I washed it one more time with just some soap and water, and I conditioned it up, and I mean, it looks, it looks beautiful, I mean, you can see it on my page, I've used it once, and I cleaned it up. The conditioning sticked on it just fine. And the one time I used it, I didn't have any of the cornbread that stuck to it. So, you know, I, I would use a sandblaster again. I would just, you know, be really be really careful with it. You obviously don't want to hit it with like 100 PSI. Yeah, I can definitely you know, I see that. I just did like 15. I, I mean, I think the highest I went to was like 20 PSI. More of a sand tickle than a uh, sand blast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good deal. Yeah, I'm glad that that pan survived. Otherwise, yeah, you'd be looking at, like, what would you be using? Just like a a wooden dowel or some sort of wire brush to get in between all those kernels? Yeah, I I used a wire brush for a little bit, and, I mean, it worked, but I was just like, I'm going to be here for hours. And I was just kind of getting a little impatient. So I just, you know, I threw it in the sandblaster, and it... I mean, it, it it was fine. Gotcha. So now you got this clean piece of uh, cast iron. Uh, you got it all stripped down, ready for the conditioning. And I think this is one thing that I know I've. You know, I'm a DIYer. I love to kind of try and do things on my own. And if I don't necessarily have the know-how, 
I'll either go to the internet or go to the YouTube and try to figure it out. And I looked up seasoning a cast iron, and you get a spectrum of people that are out there doing it. And some yeah. of them you're like, no, that's I can, I don't even know how to do this, but I can tell you that's not how to do it. And then I get into yeah. some of these protocols that it's like, holy smokes, there's so much rubbing, so much reapplying, so many reheating. It becomes an intimidating thing because it feels like you're you're building up these layers on the cast iron. You don't want to ruin it because then you're going to have to start all over. Talk to us about talk to us about putting together a great condition from start to finish. Like, how do you take something you get from the store? Now, I, I know most of the lodge stuff is already preconditioned, but if you're going to recondition that, you're going to strip off that um, conditioning and put on a new one. Talk me through that that process. So I use Buzzy Wax. I don't know if you've heard of that company before, but they make um, they make a product. It's in a little little tin can. It's a mixture of uh, different kinds of oils. I can't remember. There's two different oils, and then um, and then they use beeswax. And I reached out to them earlier this year. They've been around about a year. They just hit their one year anniversary just uh, last week. And they've already, you know, become a really successful business. And so I reached out to them earlier this year and I said, hey, you know, I've seen your product. I've seen you guys posting on Instagram and stuff. And I said, I would want to try it out. And I said, I'd be willing, you know, to do a review and post about it, you know, in exchange for you sending me some. So so they sent it to me for free and I got it. And, you know, if I was to take, you know, a piece and strip down the con- the seasoning, they recommend, you know, heating up the skillet a little bit and then putting a layer on and then wiping the skillet dry after you put the conditioning on and then throw it in the oven uh, like, oh, what is it, around like 450 to 500 degrees for an hour. And they recommend doing that about three times. And, I mean, so that that's an all-night process. You know, I... I get home from, from work around three and then I get started on that, you know, and help my wife make dinner. I mean, that's an all night thing. We have a seven month old kid. I mean, that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So normally what I do when I get a new pan, I just throw on one, one layer of that seasoning and throw it in the oven, you know, then it, you know, tops, it's taken me like an hour and a half. And then, you know, I'll throw some bacon on the skillet and cook bacon on it because I found that, you know, bacon really, that grease really soaks into that skillet. And the skillets just, I don't know, they they tend to love, you know, bacon grease. Yeah, there's a whole debate. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, there's a whole debate out there. Um, There's there's half the camp that they're like, you don't use bacon grease because it's going to go rancid on you and then you yeah. got the other half that's like no this is this is what you want to use you know you're constantly bake you're, you're you know as long as you're still using it it's not going to go rancid you keep mm-hmm. reheating it up and having it leach out of those pores um yeah i just out of sheer not knowing what i'm doing i've been sticking with vegetable lard or um 
my wife got a bottle of the avocado oil. It's got a super high smoke point. So I was like, well, yeah. good. At least I won't be burning, burning anything on there. So that's how I've been doing it. Um, but I haven't done like what you just said, where you take them and throw them in the oven and get them up to 450. Now, when you get them up that far, you're, you're basically burning, burning the conditioner off at that point so that you can start over. Or is that you add your layer on and then that's going to then heat up to a point where that's baking into the cast. Yeah. Iron. It's ba- yeah. It, it's baking into the, into the iron. So yeah, I, I don't use bacon, you know, every time I condition it, but you know, at least for the first like one or two times I use it, you know, that kind of speeds up a process of that seasoning, you know, but when you throw it in the oven, it's like baking on that conditioner and help kind of gives that skill, you know, a first like head start, you know, in the seasoning process. Yeah. Cause I, people would talk about, you know, you want it dry and for my first, you know, couple try times using it, my pan was always sticky or tacky because mm-hmm. all that oil was just sitting on top. Nothing had gone into the pan itself. So I'm like, I'm definitely doing something wrong. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah throw it in the oven, bake that stuff off, let that, or bake it into the, the pan. That's going to help it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had that same problem. I was always, you know. I, it, was always, it was always sticky, always sticky. So what I do, you know, just, you know, like, um, say for example, you know, tonight I'm, I'm going to be cooking dinner, you know, but I'll use my pan and when I'm done using it, I'll clean it. And then I just throw it on the stove and let it warm up for like 10, 15 minutes just to kind of evaporate all the liquid that, you know, might still be on there, you know, some of the water. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I throw the because you always want to you know season a skillet or anything when it's when it's warm because then you know the pores kind of open up a little bit in that in that cast iron and the oils just seep into that a little bit easier and then you just want to wipe it so it's dry and then you know since I've been doing that I haven't had a problem with any of that stickiness because I, I had that forever and I'm like this can't be right but once I started using that buzzy wax I. I've never had a sticky piece of cast iron. Gotcha. Something about that mix of oils they have with the beeswax that uh, that solves yeah. the issue. Yeah. Well, good deal. Now, you mentioned cleaning it. Um, you you don't use, other than like the one pan that you, you were getting it ready for the conditioning process that you were using soap. You're not using soap on these every time, or you is it all right to use soap on them? You know, I've heard people say, you know, never use soap. And I've heard people say, you know, that, you know, that you don't want to use, you know, they always said back in the day, never use soap because the soap back then was different than now. I just, you know, I, I, I just use, I just use hot water and I've never used soap other than, you know, with that, you know, that old piece just to kind of get everything off and make sure there wasn't anything bad still in the iron, but I I just use hot water. I've never used soap on any of my new stuff or, you know, the, the, my condition stuff. Gotcha. Cause yeah, it almost gets to a nonstick that, you know, stuff just kind of falls, falls out of the pan. Yeah. Well, Hey, while we got you here, thanks again for listening. Dustin, where can our listeners engage more with us? They can check us out on Instagram 
at Hunnivore. They can check us out on Facebook, The Hunnivore, or send us an email at Hunnivore at gmail.com. We've also joined the Sportsman's Nation family of passionate outdoorsmen. Um, they come together with lots of great content. You can check out their website at sportsmansnation.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook with the handle Sportsman's Nation. Um, in fact, if you check out their blog, we have a recipes already up. And they are a 2% for conservation company, which means as a business, they give 1% of their time and 1% of their earnings back to the wildlife and wild places that we love. I think that's pretty sweet. Anyway, back to the show. How are you, how are you, you know, with the cast iron, you can just scrub away at it. Um, what are some tricks to like, if you do got some stuff stuck in there? Um, one thing I found is if I get some, you know, I'm using kosher salt anyway for a dish. If I just pour some kosher salt in there and then use a regular dish rag, that kosher salt acts like, like a super Brillo pad, man. It's, it's a real aggressive and it will take off whatever that, uh, stuck on pieces it are, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not reactive to what the layers I've got on there right now. So it leaves it still slick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I've seen people do that. I've never done it myself, but I've seen people do that and it seems to, you know, work really good. One thing that I really like to use is, have you seen those chain mill, um, little cleaners? Yeah. I saw one of those, uh, just the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use those. Those work really good. And then Lodge even makes one that it's a chain mill thing. And then inside of it is like a rubber kind of sponge thing. So that works really good. I use that all the time. Um, yeah, I, I, I love using those chain mill things. I've been using them for about two years now and they really get everything off really good and get it off really quick. So I recommend using those or even you, you can find at the stores, you know, those little plastic little scrapers. Okay. Yeah. Um, something that just like that, you can just get, basically you can just dig right into your cast iron. I mean, you're not, you're yeah. not going to hurt it. No, no, you're not. No, these things are, you know, meant to last a hundred years or more. You know, I don't, I don't think a little chain mill scrubber is going to hurt it too bad. I saw earlier too on, um, on your feet as well. Uh, you've been doing a lot of, a lot of outdoor cooking. Is that something that you re- kind of really get into where it's like, you know, the family's out on a camping trip or you're just, you know, be able to get out, um, someplace out, out there West and just have a great time. Um, oh, yeah, using yeah. The my, Dutch my, ovens and my, stuff. Yeah. My wife always gives me a hard time, you know, cause I fill half the, half the pickup truck, you know, with my, my cooking gear, you know, I, I bring my big camping stove, I have my Dutch oven table, a bucket of charcoal, and then I have this old box that my grandpa had, and I fill that with, you know, a Dutch oven, about three or four skillets, and, you know, a bacon press, and then I have my griddle that I throw on my three burner, and so my wife always gives me a hard time because I'm filling half the truck with just my cooking stuff, and she said, are you really going to use all that? And, you know, sometimes I don't always use it. But, but hey, you want it with you because you may yeah. need it. Exactly, exactly. So, 
you know, I think I'd take a little bit more than I really need, but, you know, I figure why not, you know, at least, at least you, you've got it, you know, got your bases covered. You betcha. Um, so yeah, give me some cooking tips when it comes to, uh, using cast iron. Let's say I'm, I'm doing a steak. Am I cooking a steak any differently on cast iron versus a regular pan? Um, I like using, I, I got a skillet just a, a little while ago. My wife got it for me. It's the Lodge um, grill pan. It has like the grill grates on it. Have you seen those before? Yeah, it's got like the dimple. Yeah, they're dimpled all the way along the middle. Yeah, of it. yeah. So I've I've only used that probably about like five or six times, but I think it's just cool, you know. So I like using that more than just a regular skillet. I mean, the regular skillet works just fine too. What I normally did with that, I do it a lot with like pork chops. Me and my wife really like eating pork chops. I'll just you know crank my skillet up. Well, I'll turn my oven on to like 350 to 400 degrees and I'll give that skillet it, um, you know, I'll get that skillet hot. You know, I do this with pork chops or steaks and I'll get it hot, throw it on there, sear that one side really good. And then I'll flip it over to the other side and then I'll just throw the skillet right in that hot oven and then just let the, let the steak, you know, just finish cooking in there or the pork chop and you know I, I I've had a lot of steaks and stuff on a barbecue grill and everything like that and or other pans like I grew up eating pork chops you know that my mom would cook in a pan and it just seems like you know she wouldn't use cast iron she'd just use a regular you know you know like Teflon pan and I feel like that those that cast iron skillet you know it gives that steak such a good sear that pork chop is such a good sear that not a lot of moisture comes out of that piece of meat. So I haven't had a dry piece of meat yet when I've been cooking in in these in these pans where, you know, the other ones that I had, you know, they would I don't think they gave the meat that good of a sear, so a lot of the moisture would, you know, come out of the meat. So that's what I do with just, you know, a regular skillet, but that one with the grill pan, I just, you know, throw it on the stove and you know, just cook the steak, you know, try to give the steak, you know, a cool looking pattern or design with the grill marks. And I just cook it until it's done. I have a little thermometer that I have. I throw it in the meat and just make sure that the meat's cooked all the way, you know, to whatever, whatever you you like. I like medium rare. So I cook it, you know, to medium rare and then I pull it off. Nice. Yeah. I really like what you're how you're explaining that, you know, because there's so much heat into that pan, it can really give a good sear. Um, rather than just, yeah, letting everything leach out or making, you know, boiling your meat basically there cause the pan can't keep up. So no, that's yeah. a great tip right there. Um, how about using your Dutch oven? What are you making in the Dutch ovens? I, I love doing cobbler, you know, peach cobbler, apple cobbler, you know, some kind of apple crumble, something like that. That's what I've, you know, always kind of done is, you know, those desserts, those are really good in there. You know, for dinner on Sunday, I'll throw in, you know, a roast. I'll I'll get that uh, um, grill pan that I have, you know, with the grill grates, and I'll sear the outside of the roast or the pork roast. I, I either cook a beef roast or a pork roast, and I'll sear the – well, I'll get the piece of meat, and I'll put some olive oil on it and then just some salt and pepper, you know, freshly ground salt and pepper. I think that tastes the best. And then I sear the outside of the, of the roast – 
and then I throw it in the Dutch oven with, um, I get it at the store. Oh, I can't remember the name of the company. I think it's Lipton. It's like a Lipton onion soup mix. And you would just mix that little pouch with four cups of water and you throw that in the Dutch oven and then put the, the, the roast on top and then throw it in the oven for a few hours. And I mean, it turns out great. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah. Um, quick question too. Uh, somebody posted, or at least they, they were talking to me the other day. They're like, Hey, you make you know, spaghetti, spaghetti or uh, meatballs with spaghetti sauce inside of your, uh, skillet. I said, yeah, heat them on up. She, they're like, you're not supposed to use tomato juice or spaghetti sauce or anything acidic like a tomato in your cast iron. Cause it, uh, takes off your conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have a response for, her. I was like, uh, I didn't even think of that. Is that something that, um, when you're cooking, do you want to avoid putting acidic stuff inside of your uh, Dutch ovens? You know, I've heard that same thing. And, you know, I just found out about that just a few weeks ago, actually. I was watching a, a YouTube video. Um, have you ever seen the YouTube channel, uh, Cowboy Kent Rollins? Oh, yeah. Kent, he's a. Yeah. I love his chuck wagon, man. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I watch his videos a lot, and he was talking about that. He was talking about how a lot of people say you want to avoid um, using tomatoes or like any kind of like wine or something like that. And after I saw that, I was like, I made spaghettis and meatball and meatballs in my in my skillet. Um, Why well, I, I smoked the meatballs in my smoker and then and then I uh, I put the the meatballs in the skillet and then threw you know a whole bunch of tomato sauce in there to make spaghetti. And I saw that and I was like, oh, crap. I didn't know because he was talking about how a lot of people say that. And then he was saying, he's like, do whatever you want in your skillet. Um, I guess when you do cook with those tomatoes and other acidic stuff, it does eat away at your conditioning. So, you But know, if you're continually you're- building it back up, it you should yeah. be all right. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. So, I mean, after I did that, and I heard about that. I went and looked at the skillet that I used, and I did see that a lot of the seasoning was eaten away on it. So, I mean, it did eat away at my seasoning, but, you know, it it takes, you know, not that long to add some more seasoning onto it, you know? It gives me an excuse to use the pan again. <laughs> there you go. To play yeah. with more buzzy wax. Yeah, yeah. So I say go for it. You know, there's... Oh, I mean, it, yeah, it might take a little bit more work to build up that that seasoning, but I don't think it's going to hurt anything. Gotcha. No, that's good. That's good because yeah, I feel I feel much relieved now because I'm like I don't want to give up my my beatball recipe just because yeah. you know it gets you know, to go if, in the cast iron. Cowboy, if Cowboy Kent says you can do it, you know, you know, I, I trust him. You know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that man seems like he knows what he's doing. He definitely, yeah, he definitely has the persona that says, I, I'm confident that you're going to be just yeah. fine. Yeah, he does. Well, great, Steve. Hey, I'm coming to uh, kind of the pinnacle part. This is the crescendo of our, uh, of our discussion. This is our two-dish breakdown. This is where you get to uh, really tell us about a dish that you've made, a dish that you enjoy, and maybe there's some tips here that we can pick up uh, from you. Um, and your first dish... Uh, it is going to be campsite. The category is uh, camping. 
using all your cast iron equipment, what is your favorite campsite meal? So, um, back in June, I went camping with my, with my, uh, wife and son and, and my brothers and for breakfast one day, you know, I, uh, I cooked bacon, scrambled eggs and, uh, and able scabers. Able scabers. Yeah. Have you ever heard of those? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Explain. So, so there, there, uh, you can get these, um, these pans, Wodge makes them and Camp Chef, a lot of different companies make them. They've been making them for like a hundred years. They're a Danish dish. And what they are, these, these pans, they have like six or seven holes in them. They're about the size of a golf ball. Okay. So it looks like, you know, a pan that, you know, you could fit like seven golf balls in. And what you do is you put pancake batter in it. And then you let that cook and then you pull it up on end and then you keep pulling it up and letting the batter cook. And when you're done, it's like a, it's about the size of a golf ball. It's like a, you know, a little golf ball size pancake, you know, it's a circle. And I thought that was kind of fun. I figured, you know, I, I cook these at home all the time. Why can't I cook them when I'm out cooking? And, you know, my, my brothers were sure impressed with it my one of my brothers was just like these things are amazing and you know because it was just something different i mean there's no rule that says you can't cook something outdoors just because you're outdoors you know yeah what do you put but, what, what do you put on these um you're, you're gonna have to say it again <laughs> what are they yeah, they're called able scabers i think i'm saying it right i could be saying it wrong it, you know it's danish but yeah is there so like a sauce or something that goes along with them you just put um, jam and powdered sugar on it. Those do sound dang good. Yeah, they're they're really good. So they're really good. Well, good. Yeah, so you've totally that, that, stumped me probably, on that. You know that that's probably my favorite pan to use, just because it's so different, and not a lot of people you know use those or have heard of those. But you know, it's fun. It's different, and you know, makes for you know, good conversation piece out outside when you're camping. You betcha. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now my second dish, this one's a little bit more, uh, into, into it. This is your, uh, your date night. So the little Mm -hmm. one is now at grandma, grandpa's off with a babysitter. It's just you and the missus and you guys are eating in. Everything is in house tonight and you're the one cooking. What are you preparing mm-hmm. to make this night go just right? Oh, I'm definitely throwing some ribs on my smoker to start off. You know, that's, you know, I like the ribs that I cook and my wife, my wife loves them. That was one of the first dishes I made her when we were dating was, um, with some ribs. I, I got a smoke for my birthday one year and my birthday's February 16th and you know, me and my wife had been dating about two or three months. And for Valentine's Day, I got the smoker a little early. So for that Valentine's Day, I had her over and I met, and I smoked her some ribs. So I'm definitely going to cook some ribs. Gotcha. My, dry or wet? I, I do dry. Well, I, I always start them the night before. I throw some mustard on there and then my favorite rub. 
and then I let that sit all night long, you know, kind of, you know, kind of like a dry brine. And then I throw it on the smoker, let it cook until the ribs reach 160 degrees internal. And then I pull them and I wrap them in tin foil. And when I wrap them in tin foil, I put butter, brown sugar, and honey in them. And then I wrap them in two or three layers of of tin foil. And then I throw them back in the smoker until the ribs get about 200 degrees. And then I pull them and, you know, you're ready to eat them. Oh, yeah. That sounds real good. Yeah, yeah. They are good. So my wife loves them. So what's going uh, with the ribs? Yeah. So, you know, I don't, you know, I'd probably cook some, some rolls with that. I love cooking rolls in my, in my skillets. So I, I get my 12 inch skillet and I can put, I can fit 12 rolls in my, I just get those, you know, the frozen rolls at the grocery store. I can fit 12 rolls in my 12 inch skillets and I can fit 10 rolls in my 10 inch skillets I found. So those work really good. I'll probably cook some rolls and then, you know, maybe some kind of potatoes. I just found a recipe the other day. Well, I went to, um, uh, a cooking class. It was a one-on-one, um, camp chef smoking class that I went to. So it was one of the chefs at, at camp chef that was hosting it and he cooked these potatoes that had i just cooked them the other day they're on my page you ought to check them out he called them drunken potatoes and what he did was he he cooked bacon onions and peppers he kind of sauteed those together and then he got those little tiny potatoes that are about the size of golf balls yeah yeah all the little ones yeah, those little ones. He put those in in the in the pan with that with that um, bacon and onions and peppers, and then he put a can of beer in there. I don't drink beer, so when I cooked it the other day, I put chicken stock in it, and then I threw that. You know, he he put it in in his smoker, and I would definitely do it in my smoker too. But you know, when I did it the other day, I didn't have my smoker fired up, so I just put them in my in my oven and let those cook, you know, until the potatoes were tender. And then I threw a little bit of melted or put some shredded cheese on top and let that melt. So that's probably what I would cook my wife is those potatoes, some ribs and some hot rolls. That would probably be what I, what I would cook her, you know, for a date night. Yeah. That sounds, sounds great. That that's a night that I think will go very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will too. (laughs) Well, Steve, thank you so much uh, for coming on and joining us for this uh, for this hour. Um, I want to give uh, my audience a chance to find you. Um, it's kind of a shameless plug for you. Uh, where can we find Where can we find your stuff? Where can we find um, uh, your feed? Tell us where we can find you. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram. Just my my name's Cast Iron Steve. You can find me on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page. I'm not as, um, I don't post as much on Facebook as I do on Instagram, but I'm trying to focus more on, you know, posting on both all the time and trying to share other things on, on Facebook that I can't share on, on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel, just Cast Iron Steve. I only have like one or two videos on there. 
I'm working on doing more. I want to start, you know, putting stuff on YouTube. But if you want to see most of the stuff I do, I would say definitely check out my Instagram page. I'm always posting stuff on my stories and on my feed. That's where you're going to find most of my stuff. Well, perfect. Yeah, again, thanks, Steve. I'll have you hold on for just a second. But, uh, folks, have a wonderful night, and uh, keep your knives sharp. Yeah.